This is Pod Populi. Podcast for the people. Hello, and welcome to The Franchise Life. I'm your host, Stacey Shannon. Today, I have two special guests who will introduce you to an exciting and fun brand that is growing nationally and is truly one of a kind in its space. This brand is called With a Twist Event Services. With that said, I would like to welcome Tom Stemple, who is the CEO and the co-founder of With a Twist Event Services. And we also have Joe Bruner, who is a franchise owner. Actually, he owns several states for the brand, which includes Colorado, Nebraska, and Wyoming. Welcome, gentlemen. Hi, thanks for having us. My pleasure. Yeah. So, Tom, let's start with you. You are a serial entrepreneur that has successfully built and sold several companies to date. Can you share with us uh, what, how With a Twist Services came about and a little bit about what the brand is? Sure. And glad to be here and uh, participate on your podcast. This is an exciting opportunity for us. Our business um, is really at that uh, three and a half year mark where you see a lot of businesses, you know, if you planned it properly, you see this kind of bottom end of the hockey stick where it's, it's just growing um, at an exponentially fast rate and managing through that growth can obviously be challenging. It, it helps a little bit if you have some experience in doing that. And so I've been blessed enough to have a career um, that's, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I've built some really cool technology companies um, and have been a part of some really explosive growth opportunities that I think really best suits um, somebody in this position to take full advantage of what's in front of them and give them a, a little bit of an upper hand in, in building a brand and launching a, a business at scale. So our business originated um, in 2006, and it was a small little business uh, in the Denver metropolitan area. In 2019, I met the original owner of the business who had more or less abandoned the business and had moved to South Dakota. And the business, you know, was really on life support. It wasn't doing much. And uh, my daughter-in-law, who's also the co-founder of the business, um, who's been in the event industry for 22 years, uh, asked me to invest in buying a event center for her. Um, she had just had her 40th birthday, was in a new season of life, wanted to kind of take control of her own destiny, knows more about the event industry than anybody I've ever met. And, uh, of course, I immediately said no, because there's a key and a lock involved mm-hmm. with a, a physical location like that. And I, I, it's been my experience in business that quite often the person that's in the middle of the transactions uh, is the one that has the most freedom, has the best lifestyle also tends to make a lot of the margin or a lot of the money. And so in in looking for an opportunity for her in the event industry, I stumbled across uh, with a twist, uh, found the original owner. Um, The intellectual property that was there was interesting to me because there was a full trademark on the brand. 
the URL got a little bit of traffic, but there was a little bit to work with. So uh, approached her with the idea of launching this business with a vision of really having a full service event business um, and starting in the bartending product vertical. So the best way to describe our business, I get this question a lot, like, how would you describe your business? We're a technology company in the event space whose first product is bartending. And so a lot of people want to think that we're just a bartending services provider, that that is not true. And I can tell you going into 2023 that uh, that will become very evident as we start to diversify into other products uh, in the event industry. Time, aren't you having trouble hiring people in this uh, unpredictable employment climate that we're in? Uh, the answer is no. We actually have a waiting list in almost every market that we're open in of people that want to work for us. And some of that is due to the technology platform that we built, our staffing application, which we've taken a, a, a page out of the playbook of companies like Uber and DoorDash and uh, in this what is called a gig economy and built some technology around that, allowing all of our staff to download our app. And then as we sell a customer in a market, that job goes out to our entire staff and people get to opt in or choose to accept whether they want to work that shift or not. And the rule is the first one to accept it wins the job. So you have this flexible work schedule on the staffing side where people have some extra time, maybe in conjunction with other things that they're doing, that allows them to accept jobs around their schedule on their time frame. And uh, because of that, I think we, we attract a lot of really quality people that are just trying to make some extra money, which is the other thing that's happening in our society with inflation and, and, and other and costs going up. People looking to make a couple extra bucks. And so we, we do really well with attracting quality staff people. Uh, it is pretty interesting. Our average employee that works for us, our staff member, is probably closer to 40 than they are 30. Um, they're a little um, more established and experienced. And um, I think they're just in a season of life where they need that flexibility to just plug in when it becomes, uh, when it makes sense for them in their lifestyle. So our business at its core today is uh, our primary product is bartending. So we service uh, private parties, weddings, uh, corporate events. Um, we do that at scale, uh, thousands and thousands of events per month across the country, and that, that number just continues to grow. Um, our business is on a very steep trajectory of growth, and um, we're the guys you call when you're having a wedding and you need to have a professional bartender. What Bringing the equipment, bringing all the supplies, the ice, the garnish, the mixers and such, and then our staff uh, works that event. No, that's fantastic. A lot of information there. So thank you, Tom. Uh, you know, this is what really attracted me to this brand initially is the technology piece, which you, you did a deep dive into, uh, and all of the attributes of that technology to, uh, acquiring the staff to processing invoices to doing the email, the finance part. So there's a lot of great, I mean, this is like the Uber of bartending, in essence. I mean, you think of you're using this app or the online presence, somebody has a need for a bartender, whether that's a consumer 
or a business and you have all these bartenders in your local area that are grabbing up those jobs as you secure the events. So let's break this down a little bit more just to give uh, our listeners some better insight into really how this process works. So Joe, you live and breathe this. You are a franchise owner. Uh, I know in probably the Colorado market, I believe, is your most mature market out of the three you own. Uh, can you walk us through what the process looks like when from uh, getting a lead and how those leads come into you, getting a lead for somebody that has a need for a bartender to fulfilling that event. Can you just streamline that process for us? Yeah, sure. There's there's actually a couple different places to get leads. But to, one of the things that really attracted me to this company was that 70% of our leads book online. That shows you that we're a technology company that we're not physically touching every one of those leads. And Tom and Anna, the corporation generates an immense amount of leads. So that's, that's part of our business. We'll call that consumer to consumer business. But then we also have a business to business where we go out, we call on event centers. We can either get an exclusive contract with them or we can get onto their vendor list. But you can also call on schools and, and corporations. I mean, there's a huge business to business component. That's where your business development comes in for this business. And those are very consistent. So like I have contracts with venues and they use me every single month and they sign a contract for 12 months. So it's easy for me to staff for those events because it's going to be a set event. So it's a little bit different than the consumer. Those leads that are generated, those are coming in and in, I mean, it's, it's just amazing how many come in. I think we had somewhere uh, north of 180 leads, um, and it just keeps on growing every month. And that's okay. monthly, just for Colorado. Um, so it's just a process of, of understanding it. Then I have it broke down in three different uh, ways that we process the lead. But I follow, uh, the reason I got into a franchise is to follow what was already built, not to come in with the knowledge I have from my previous business, right? I want to do it exactly the way it was supposed to be done. And it's an extremely successful uh, process. So it's just breaking out the leads for you. One comes in consumer, one comes in business. And then, of course, referral. Okay, great. So a lead comes in. Uh, what does, so you have three states, you're one individual. I know you came from the banking industry. Uh, you currently own a very successful liquor store. How do you run this business? What does your staff look like? I mean, how you have this broad, vast, uh, three statewide territory. What does your staff look like and what do those individuals do? I think, you know, one of the benefits I have when I, when I look at a business is if the business plan is already there and it's modeled, then you simply have to run it. So what I did was I broke it into three different departments. And really, it's going to break into two. But I have one person that does sales and then one person that does kind of we'll call it the fulfillment. And then one person that is hiring bartenders and kind of keeping the company all together. But it's a very calm business to run if you follow the system. So it's, you know, I'm 
I don't want to call myself, I'm not absentee. I look at the business every day. I operated on Tuesdays, but I'm also operating my other business. So, I mean, this is a good business. And, and when you get into business development, I would just add that January, February, and March is when in Colorado, Nebraska, and Wyoming, where we'll go after the corporate customer. So that's where business development comes into because everybody's really doing their parties right now. But that's kind of how I have the company broken down. Um, and we'll do, we'll do roughly uh, 70 or 71 events this month at an average revenue of about $1,000. So are those 71 events, are those throughout your three territories then? The majority are still in Colorado. Okay. So we're, we're just in the process of opening Nebraska. Um, we do Wyoming as well. Wyoming is a scarce population. You know, it's a little bit different. Um, but it takes time. You want to do it right. I'm learning the steps to open these up correctly. Um, but we are already getting leads. Uh, corporations already generating leads in Nebraska for us. And uh, we had sent a couple people out there from our company and did a little investigation trip last week and worked an event Okay, in Nebraska. So you... You mentioned you work the business on Tuesdays. I mean, you're not, you definitely are involved in the business, but more so semi-passively, given you have your liquor store business and so forth. How many hours per week would you say that you actually spend working on the business? Um, I would say about 12. About 12 hours. I would say six, six on Tuesdays and six throughout the week. I mean, I look at the business every day and I make phone calls every day, but my business is running because I followed the system. And I think that's one of the things when I, about franchising, I'll just really hammer down on it. If you get in a franchise, do what the franchise fee told you to do. They tell you to jump, jump. There's no sense to change it. The person's already taken all the licks. I'm old enough to understand that. That's how come, I think, really, honestly, the business runs incredibly smoothly. No, and, and you, that's a very important part. And it really, at the end of the day, that is the value of investing in a franchise is it's a proven business model. Tom has tested this business model. He's fine-tuned it. So when investors or individuals like yourself come to him, I mean, you're given a playbook for success. And so that is part when in my consulting business, you know, individuals are fearful of going in, investing in a business and failing. And part of what I share with them is if you are coachable and you listen and you follow the model, you should be successful. It's the individuals that decide to go rogue or feel that they know how to do things better that end up in trouble and sometimes failing in the business model. So that brings me uh, back to you, Tom. What does your training look like? So, I mean, clearly, Joe did not have background experience in event services, uh, given his background in banking or the mortgage business. So what does training look like for an individual that has no experience in this space? Well, training is the key to really any successful business. And it, 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 I don't know if I, I don't even know if I like the word training that much. It's really um, a process of trying to educate a person on what we know and what we know works and to put a roadmap in place 
that's a combination of information, data points, a timeline. It's like, if you want to know where you need to go, the, the, where you need to get to, it's a very narrow path. It's not a broad path. And to try to keep people in that narrow path, we have a process that starts once somebody engages with us and becomes a franchise owner. We built a very comprehensive learning management system that's online. Pretty much everything there is to know about our business resides in a learning management system. Uh, so they start there and they get uh, an immense amount of knowledge uh, through the series of videos that we built about every aspect of the business. So that, that kind of gives them step number one. Uh, that creates a lot of questions. And so once we get them in person, they typically come to Colorado for a series of days. Uh, we're, they have a fairly good understanding of how our business operates. Uh, so we can really drill down more on strategy um, and focus really on what those next objectives are and how to stay within that narrow path so that strategically we can break down their market, figure out the best way to uh, maximize the opportunity in their specific market. You know, all these markets are all very different, um, which I think is true of most businesses. So whether it's pricing or it's competition or whatever the variable is, we, we spend a lot of time on strategy and talking through that. They'll go back into their market and then they go to work. You know, the nature of our business, which I think is a lot different than a lot of other franchises where they, they go back from franchise, the franchise training and then they're, sitting around going, okay, now what do I do? Um, that, that does not happen with us because we're generating so many leads corporately. Typically, they go back to their market, and it's a little bit like we turn on the fire hose. And for the first four to six months, it feels like you just can't keep up because it's a chicken and an egg. It's We got to hire a ton of staff people, and we have a bunch of people want to buy from us all at the same time. So during that personal time that we have together, we strategically talk about how to solve that riddle and to make sure that we're planning to get to great scale as quickly as possible. The, the one thing that has become very evident uh, with all the markets that we opened is there's a natural progression that happens um, and there's some natural thresholds that happen. So we set really good expectations on what the goals would be for the first year, uh, for the second year, for the third year. And they're pretty consistent. And so I think that gives people a peace of mind on what success looks like. They can kind of self-measure that based on the on the objectives we put forth. And then they can also budget for that. So if they know they're going to do X amount in the first year, and they know that we typically operate on about a 60% margin, they can kind of do the math in their head and figure out how much money they're going to be able to make. And that, that does seem to be pretty consistent. I would add... This business is also very unique because our territories are very large. Um, and in most cases, uh, Joe's a little bit more of a seasoned business. He's in his third, three and a half years in here, the Colorado business. In the first year, year and a half, you can really operate this business with just by yourself, you know, working out of your house. There is this natural point at which the business gets to a certain amount of events per month where you kind of have to get some more help um, and maybe diversify into a small office space or a warehouse space or something like that. So uh, there's not a ton of overhead uh, in the early days. There's a lot of lead activity. There's a lot of buyers. There's a lot of money coming in. Um, so all of our franchise owners 
get the net benefit of seeing the results of their efforts quickly and feeling good about that decision to join the team. So once somebody does sign a franchise agreement, what does that ramp up time look like before they are generating revenue? Well, you know, the, the rule of thumb with starting any business is you should have fairly low expectations. Uh, maybe low is not the right word. Reasonable expectations in the first year of any business. I do think there's a learning curve here. Unless you come from the event industry, which is our preference, um, because then you understand all the nomenclature and you understand how uh, events work and whatnot. Uh, I think the, the uh, growth for somebody with an event background is much, much quicker. If you're coming from an industry that it does not, you, you don't know a lot about events, I think the learning curve's a little steeper. I think we coach you through that pretty well. So it really depends on whether you have experience or you don't have experience in the industry. If you take the person who doesn't have any experience in the industry, um, we have really clear goals. And I mean, you're going to make sales your first month and you're going to need to do operations and you're going to have to go execute some events very quickly. So it's a little nerve wracking at first. Um, for some people, it's a little outside of their comfort zone of what they've been traditionally doing uh, for a career. But we get calls all the time going, oh, my gosh, this is such a blast. I mean, I'm going to people's weddings and parties like this is my job like this. <laughs> like I should be paying them like this is so much fun. And uh, we teach them how to kiss up to the catering companies because they always have snacks. So. <laughs> That doesn't, that's, that, that's not terrible either. So uh, you get paid, you get snacks, you're around happy people all the time. It's a pretty great business. Well, it's certainly a feel good business. So, you know, when I talk to individuals, many times I tell them, and it's certainly when I am presenting concepts to them on uh, investments that I think could be a good match for them, I do tell them that probably 90% of the time, the franchisor is not looking for direct applicable experience, that they're looking more for the soft skills, right? So in the in the scenario where if I have a candidate that is really intrigued by this concept, what are some of those soft skills that would make an individual successful that does not come from the event industry? Well, I, I think this is true for most franchises. I mean, every, he who controls the customer controls the world. And so you may have a customer, but if you cannot convert that customer to a buyer, I don't care what business you're in, you're going to struggle. Whether you're an attorney or you're a doctor or you own a handyman business, um, having somebody that has raised their hand and says, I'm interested in your service, that still needs to be convinced to part with their money. and so having great sales skills, business development skills, not being afraid of the telephone, not being afraid to go out and meet with people face-to-face, being able to present yourself in a professional manner. I mean, those are the things that I think are universally um, create the most success in any franchise owner. If, if, you're, if you're generally your background is not engaging in relationship building, which is at the core of all successful businesses. And it's really more confined to whether it's computer work or whatever, or you operate really in a bubble on your own. I think just generally, you're going to have a tough time uh, being successful. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be successful. It just means you need to find somebody else to do that part. 
I think some of our best operators are people that aren't great at sales um, because they're operational and they think about things logistically. Um, we coach them in the beginning. It says, look, you're a logistics master, but the sales you're going to struggle with. So find, identify a salesperson quickly, uh, create that problem. So you have a bunch of customers that you can handle your skill set with and handle the logistics of the, the business. What we, we, our first product of being bartending, and I think this will be true. We'll be moving into catering this year, um, or in 2023, as well as some other verticals. All those are products that we have, but fundamentally we're in the logistics business. We're in the point, we're in the business of identifying customers, selling those customers, and then logistically planning out all the things needed for that event, scheduling the people to be there at the right place at the right time, executing that event, and then ultimately circling back with the customer and make sure that they had a world-class experience. That's a very interesting way, way to look at it from a logistics standpoint. So uh, let's talk competition because I mean, when people are looking for an investment, you know, knowing who your competition is, is extremely important. So uh, Joe, what, who would you say your competition is in this space and how do you compete against them? You know, it's, it's interesting when, I know there's, there's people out there that do this. They do it generally on a small scale. I do a lot of business with them at my liquor store. They pick up liquor for their events. But overall, there's really no one in this space. It's very fragmented. Um, so I think the competition really lies in myself. You know, I go back to following the system and getting out there and getting venues. So when I get into January, February, March, you know, it's how hard am I going to work to go get the venues? How hard is the staff going to work? Because the business is there. So it's hard, you know, and, and all my, I've been in lots of business over the course of my life. And, you know, here that I haven't run up against the competition. Does someone else get an event that I was at? Sure. I guess we call that competition, but there's just so much business available that is not a barrier point in this business. There's plenty of opportunity. So it's, it's, it's really about building your systems as quick as possible and, and getting your button gear. All right. Well, lots of positive things we've talked about so far. So I would ask you, Joe, though, what is, what is one of your biggest challenges in this business? Well, the ability to shake states away from Tom. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, it's, it's so funny. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I've been in business my whole life. This is a great business. You know, it's, it's not a you know, it's not challenging. You know, everything is, it's just a business that's just a well-run, well-oiled machine that works properly within the market. And it's a need. It has a need. So when you get in the challenge, you know, even, I mean, I don't even have a challenge getting employees, which you think that would be the biggest challenge, especially if someone's listening to this in today's day and age, we have so many bartender applications, maybe three to five a day that want to work for us. So it's, and it's, and you know, we've been able to cultivate a really good staff, you know, we have, our bad apples are gone and, you know, I don't, I don't see the challenges. My business is maturing. 
So um, are there going to be challenges in the beginning? Of course, you start at zero, right? I mean, those are, <clears throat> it's a whole different situation. But three years later, three and a half years later, this is a well-oiled machine poised for growth. And I currently, I'm sure I'm going to, I'm going to say that I don't have big challenges right now. I'm going to get up and I'm going to get hit in the head with something, <laughs> but I mean, I really don't. I mean, it's just an amazing business, great growth opportunity. No one's in the space nationally. You know, when you think about that, you know, I've been in many businesses, but they're always at the tail end of their business cycle. This is the front of the cycle. There's no national event business out there. There is none. So who's our competition? It's just little mom pods. And that's what gives you such a tremendous advantage to be in this business, to be a, with a twist franchise. Yeah. And, you know, going back to what really draws me to this brand is, I mean, certainly the low investment level, which we've yet to touch on and we'll get there in a moment, but this truly is a business that you can manage from anywhere because of the technology itself. Uh, you have flexibility in your schedule. You you can work the business uh, when you need to. But I mean, there is going to take that commitment, as we've spoke about in getting this business up and running and so forth. But eventually, you know, individuals, they dream to be where you are today, Joe, in and having a staff in place, a well-oiled machine, and being able to work on the business 12 hours a week. But I know it's you, you've grown into that over the past three-plus years. So uh, let's touch on, on a last note, uh, Tom, let's touch on the markets that are available. But before that, what the investment level looks like along with the royalties. Um, great question. So currently, and I do think this will change in 2023, only as we as we diversify or add to um, our product mix. So we are going to go very deep into catering. I want to add one thing to Joe, because you asked a question about competition. If and when we do lose a client competitively, it's typically to a catering company. So the catering companies really are our biggest competition. And so to support and um, reinforce our current product of bartending, it makes most sense to go into the catering vertical next. Um, I don't think anybody wants to uh, cook steak or make salmon. So we've come up with a mechanism to do that uh, and do that at scale uh, through some partnerships that we're securing for the company. Um, and there, it's an exciting time. We're at this point in this season of the business we're starting to attract very large companies that want to partner with us because they see us as an on-ramp to getting into the event industry. And I think Joe's probably right. I think if we're not the biggest brand in the event space, we're pretty close and it's only with one product. So how big, how much bigger can we get when it's five or 10 products? So our, our current strategy is to offer what I think in some cases are ridiculous sized territories. Uh, I get this question a lot, like, have you lost your mind? Um, because the territory size is pretty big. Typically, we, we like to sell off an entire state to an individual. We're pretty particular uh, with the franchise owners that we um, onboard into our system because of that. They have, they have to have 
some some horsepower. They have to be pretty committed be just because of the territory that's sold. So as an example, we just sold the state of North Carolina. It's 10 million people. I mean, that's, that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot to handle. We just sold the whole state of Texas to one group. Um, so from an investment standpoint, it's currently $29,000 for the first million population. And for every million thereafter, it's $7,500. Those numbers are going to go up next year as we start to diversify into other verticals. So there is this window of time that uh, this is currently what we're charging. Um, if you compare that against other opportunities that are out there based on the territory size and the magnitude of the opportunity and what could be if we execute our business model and diversify into other things in the event space, you now it's pretty shocking. Um, it's hard to find a good business opportunity for that price and that territory. So, my expectations are that we're going to add uh, an awful lot of locations um, in a controlled way, but we have a lot of demand for that right now. So, we, you know, we're, we're pretty particular with who comes in. The places that I think that we need the most help right now is in the Northeast. Uh, we don't have a presence in the Northeast. We get a lot of leads, Massachusetts, Connecticut, um, those in particular places that we need some help. I think there's parts in the middle of the country that we could use some help. Um, Iowa, Kentucky, uh, going further south, really, you know, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi, uh, Georgia. We may have somebody there, but that's still open. South Carolina, Florida, Arizona. Uh, so, so those are just some kind of throwing out some states that they, uh, there is some territory out there to be had. Um, we also just recently were approved in the entire state of California. And that happened last week. California is like its own country. So <laughs> there's, 40, there's 40 million people there. Uh, that one's going to require some strategy on how we do that one. I don't know that, that somebody can bite that off all by themselves. So we have a plan to, to carve that up into maybe three or four different segments that just make logistic sense. Um, but we are approved in California and we'll be very soon approved in the state of Washington as well. And so when, when you have a good candidate and they're in a market that tends to be difficult to get franchising in, but they're the right candidate. They come from the event industry and they're really interested in a market that's hard to get approval in. I will get approval there. Our, our business model, and I think California is a great testament to this, it's a hard place to get approved as a franchisor. Our application kind of went through pretty quickly because of the nature of our business and some of the success we've had and the nature of how we charge for our franchising. So. I think that gives you an idea of where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. And and I would say uh, the investment level that you just shared and in relation to the territory size is pretty unprecedented in this industry. So congratulations on the business growth you've had to date and success. And Joe, I hope you keep killing it because – I know, I think last, what I heard was last year you had over 600 events in Colorado alone. Is that correct? Yeah, actually last year we did 475, but we will do north of 600 this year. Okay. And we can, and we continue to grow. Yeah. And I mean, given the margins we heard at 60% and the average, you know, cost of an event, um, that's, that's some good money you're making there. So congratulations. Uh, 
gentlemen, thank, thank you. you so much. I so appreciate your time today. And anybody listening, if you're interested in learning more about with in a with a twist event services, please feel free to reach out to me at Stacy at fusionfranchising.com. Have a great day, guys.